That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Jake, you got a dog. I did get a dog. So, a little French uh, bulldog named uh, JP. So, I'm really. Do, does he smoke like John Mulaney's French bulldog? <laughs> Whenever John I, he, Mulaney, the, only, the comic, speaks yeah. for his dog, he like always has him like wearing a beret, smoking. <laughs> he uh, he's uh, about three months, so it's still a little young yet. But time. <laughs> <laughs> he's mostly just using smokeless tobacco at this point. Just a little mm. that little snus pouch in the in yeah. His. Him and my ten year old son. So anyway, but uh, no, my kids are really pumped. They needed a COVID pet. We all needed a little. We all needed a little treat this week. So anyway. So we got a dog. We've been planning on it anyway. So, um, how are you? Oh, thank you. We're good. We have our golden doodle keeping us happy down here in Waco, Texas. Uh, man, <laughs> there's it's just a crazy time for everybody. Yeah. We're, I've gotten you guys no are fewer than. What were you say? You guys are raging COVID style. I mean, yeah. So moly. we did what are a little. You guys doing? Listeners, we did a little pre uh, pre show planning process and we were just comparing covid positivity rates in waco texas well so in new york it's like just a hair over three percent positivity rates in waco texas the seven day rolling average 16 percent. Woo! we win <laughs> did you right. see that um amazing how to beat covid in the united states and it was like every washington needs to promise every state a pizza party and like at the end of the week, who has the lowest uh, <laughs> lowest amount of COVIDs would get like a pizza party. And so Amen. anyway, I thought it that worked was hysterical. in sixth grade and uh, it did. And it might work here because that's basically our mentality when it comes to COVID. So um, <laughs> pizza is a powerful thing. Uh, I tell you what, listeners, uh, it's a beautiful day in Waco, Texas. The rain has stopped. The squirrels outside my window are jumping. And we are here to talk about the gospel. <laughs> Fourth Sunday of Advent. That's right. We said, you said the, f- and I was like, what is he going to say? I'm really glad. The f- said fourth, fourth Sunday, of Sunday of Advent. So, uh, right. yes, today our readings are 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 11 and 16, just for good measure. Then we have Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 27, a big section of Romans 16 there. And then uh, last but not least, uh, the uh, Luke passage, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Uh, The angel Gabriel visiting the Blessed Virgin Mary. So finally on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we get some readings that are sort of Christmassy in what we expect. No more of this John the Baptist junk. Ooh. That's absolutely right. It's a close. There's Jesus. a lot of anticipation, and so we're talking about Jesus coming, and so you know the Old Testament reading is uh, foreshadowing that, and then Romans is Jesus is the um, just basically the foundation of everything he's been talking about, and then Luke chapter one, Jesus is coming. 
So that's our show for today. So we're all pretty slammed. Thanks, so. thanks for tuning in. So now, uh, so let's begin with 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 11 and 16. This is the Davidic covenant. Um, and um, maybe you want to say a little bit of what's going on right here, Aaron. Well, so the book of Samuel, the two, you know, Samuel 1 and Samuel 2, they're about, uh, they're, they're named Samuel because Samuel shows up very briefly at the beginning as a prophet yeah. and then quickly dies. Uh, but the whole thing is about the, the monarchy of Israel and in particular King David. We get the beginning, you know, Saul is there for a bit, but really we move on to David pretty quickly. And David has to you know, like kill enemies and establish his kingdom and defeat armies. And now now he is, he's settled. We, we begin in verse one, the king is settled in his house. And, you know, God has promised that this monarch David would reign and be the king and that he would have heirs and there would be, and, and the kind of the, the key verse here, there's a lot to unpack on this passage. It's a really rich passage to preach on, but kind of the main thing, the messianic promise that meant so much to the people of Israel uh, is that your house and your kingdom, this is why they do tack on verse 16 at the end, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me, your throne shall be established forever, which the people of Israel just held on to really tightly. Like even when it got bad with the, the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians and the Romans and the Greeks and like, but look, we have this promise in 2 Samuel seven sixteen that David's throne will reign forever. And it may be bad now and the chair is empty for the moment and the temple may be destroyed, but it's coming back. We're going to get the band back together. And so this promise is what people are hoping for, hoping, working, praying, looking forward towards for years and years and centuries and centuries, and then finally fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Did I, is that, is that, is that, did I pass? That's, that's beautiful. I would give you a solid C. No, mm. I'm just kidding. Gentleman no, it's A plus. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's really, um, this is a very powerful passage uh, because it is not only about the establishment of the coming, but it opens up with like David kind of at the end, you know, and he, there he is on his throne in his house of cedar. I'm sure it smelled wonderful. And um, uh, he, um, he basically, you know, he's looking at all that's happened and he wants to pay God back. And this is kind of, I think, the instinct of every human being, you know, uh, when we think about our relationship with God. We think about it in like it's in terms of a two-way street. You know, look, God's done all of his part. Now I better do mine. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, and this is oftentimes how, like, Christian religion is taught. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, God's up there waiting for you to finally build him a temple. God is up there finally waiting for you to usher in his kingdom. God is finally waiting for you to do this so that he might come along and join you. And the point of this passage is, is like, and Nathan even misses it. You know, he's operating from this two-way street to, too, and we're all operating there. But he's like, yeah, man, go do that. That's a great idea. God will be really happy about that. And uh, the, the bulk of this passage is God reminding both Nathan and David that I am the one who's done everything for you. In uh, the book of Romans, uh, actually, uh, Paul cites two covenants in uh, the, um, well, he cites two covenants to show the continuity between his teaching in the Old Testament. And it's the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant, which is all about the unconditional work of what God has done. It is God who took David out of the pasture. It's God who's planted and made David a king. It's God who's done this, and it's God who will continue to do it. And uh, what God is going to do is establish David's line for absolutely positively ever in a true king, David's greater son, Jesus Christ. 
and uh, and he is the king who continues to serve you and his all of his people. Yeah, that's right. And and by the way, if you want to get into why they're talking about houses of cedar, like it's amazing. And you may be like, what's the big deal? It just sounds like my rec room, like wood paneling. <laughs> but in the uh, Holy Land, obviously trees are few and far between. And you, there's only a few areas that would give you trees big enough to get, you know, planks of cedar to then line your room. Also, they knew about the moth-killing properties of cedar. Also smells mm-hmm. very nice. So anyways, it basically saying like, David saying, I live in a really great cedar house. It's like saying, I live in a ridiculously nice house. And and the Ark of the Covenant, which is where they believe God actually dwells, like at the mercy seat on the top of the Ark that was still in the tabernacle, the movable, which, and it was a very nice tent, like, let's be honest, it wasn't, it wasn't a shabby tabernacle. But it was but no still, cedar. But it wasn't cedar. It wasn't cedar. And so, you know, and uh, I they, think, I think that's a powerful point too, though, is, is that like, you know, um, not only do we, but where is God found, you know what I mean? And he's often found in the lesser things, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, you know, and, um, but I think that this just flips the whole concept of payback right on its head. And, um, and uh, it's not about payback at all. And I think, you know, another, pas- another part of this passage is the humility of God. Because he's, you know, it's only the small insecure deities that need to flex in order to prove their <laughs> worth. And God is, says, look, I've been in a tent since Egypt. It's fine, you know, because I own the whole world and everything in it. I don't need your, I don't need a house of cedar. Like, yeah, you human beings think cedar is a big deal, but I tell you, I got redwoods in California that you haven't even seen yet, David. So, uh, he, yeah, he kind of, God's so, I mean, I don't know, it's, it seems almost like too anthropomorphic to say, but he, he's not insecure. He's secure <laughs> in his divinity, and he doesn't need kind of this, um, this human, uh, as you say, two-way street, and it is it is so contrary. This God, I mean, that, my God friend, that's a flex in and of itself. Yeah, so. I, well, yeah, but it's the only true flex. Mm. So you know, the the gods of the ancient Near East were like superhumans. They, I mean, watch Wonder Woman, watch Superman. Like that's kind of they were like human beings with love affairs and shoplifting charges and uh, you know complicated relationships and tempers and uh, grudges and all that. And so it was very much like, so you would relate to them like relate to a human being. Like, if I want something from you, I got to give you something. So if you're a God, I need to give you something, so you give me something. And that's that two-way street kind of thinking. And God just says, look, I don't need any, I don't, and I'm the one in charge. Like, I appointed you, David, to be the prince over my people, and I'm going to take care of you. And, and by the way, in terms of connecting this relationally to people uh, and existentially to where they are, I think the the key idea here. Again, because this is, so I'm kind of backing up a little bit here. There's stuff happening on two levels here. There's like the, the David's monarchy and there would be heirs that would follow in that and there would be an actual government in Israel. But there's also very much a sense in which this is talking cosmically. This is talking Christologically. This is talking about Jesus and both are happening at the same time. And so when God says, I will appoint a place for me, for you and plant my people so that they will live in their own place and be disturbed no more. And, uh, and he says in verse, this is verse 10, and then in verse 11, I'll give you rest from all your enemies. To me, that's like somewhere the real preaching money is in terms of what mm. connects, because everybody wants rest from their enemies. Enemies yeah. within you, your own sin, your own narcissism, your own anxiety, your own worry. I mean, it is, it's COVID time and it's dark. And I know a lot of people that are depressed because it's actually physically dark. It's metaphorically dark. They're, you know, it's a lot, it's a hard time. And Christmas is not going to be the giant 
ball of escapism that it usually is. Um, and, uh, and so this idea of rest from all your enemies is what's promised to David doesn't really come through for the people of Israel in the way they think, because the Davidic monarchy does ultimately fall. It does come through for us in Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of where you got to take this passage. That's great, man. That will preach. And, uh, you know, and, um, and then we become, eventually we become a part of that. Uh, he being our rest from all of our labors, um, uh, brings us and makes us a living stones of a temple that will never be destroyed. Yeah, better than any cedar temple. Okay. That's for sure. And a so temple we, of, yeah. we, uh, we moved down to Romans 16. This is just like Paul's little like PS at the end of Romans. They're not really PS. It's like his final doxological, meaning word of worship and praise. Uh, he often ends his letters like this, like, you know, calling it back to the Lord and like, remember him and like his final words here. And so it's pretty short. You almost sort of feel like the lectionary committee was like, we got to have an epistle reading. The other ones are kind of long. So let's do a short one and what's something that kind of ties in. But we do have here um, this idea, again, Advent 4, getting close to Christmas, this revelation of the mystery that is now disclosed in verse 26. Yeah. uh, And it's for everybody. This is, yeah, and it's very, very specific stuff um, uh, that God is able to strengthen you. Like, how does he do it? Well, he doesn't do it through magic. He doesn't do it through, you know, zap. But according to my gospel, and that's very specific because there were lots of gospels floating around. And, uh, but Paul's gospel is very specific. It is that Christ has died for you, Christ is risen for you, and Christ is coming again for you. And uh, this, uh, the point is, is that this mystery was kept secret. It was hidden, you know what I mean, in types and shadows and people like David. But now mm-hmm. is disclosed through the prophetic writings, is made known to all the Gentiles, to the entire world. And so basically, this is an Advent theme in the sense that Jesus was never plan B. Jesus has always been plan A. And uh, and uh, to bring about the obedience of faith, what, what do you think he means by that, Aaron? Means like like five quiet times a day hmm. and uh, <laughs> lots of journaling, bullet yeah. journals, hopefully as well as um, a lot of uh, body hacking to get your uh, BMI down. Yeah, and you definitely have to drink use drink a drink your morning coffee at your quiet time. Your that has to have a Bible verse on it. On that and if you don't if you're not into regular coffee just because the caffeine that mushroom coffee is also really good. That's oh, what yeah. this is all about. <laughs> no, uh, the obedience of faith. That, you know, again, a lot of so many people think religion and Christianity is about making God happy by being nice little boys and girls. Um, And if if this said obedience of works, that would be accurate. But this is obedience of faith, which means as as Jesus answered people when they asked him, what must we do to inherit eternal life? He said, believe in the one in whom God has sent. And so we trust in his righteousness, not own or not our own. We rely on his works, not our own. And, and then being rooted and grounded and established in that love of God, that grace of God that we have, you know, there are good works that yes. come out of that because love births goodness. But this is not the kind of, when you hear obedience, again, many of your people will just think, Oh, this is what Christianity is. It's obeying. It's doing what God said to do. Otherwise, God will be angry at me. And it's not that at all. That's why it's so key that we remember to bring about the obedience 
of faith. And it's interesting. It it's says to believe. That, yeah. Yeah. It's to believe. Yeah. CJ, and that's, you're, and that's, you're, that's what you'll go ahead. I was just say your words are shorter than mine and that's why you're a better preacher. So yeah, well, I mean, it's, yeah. And that's exactly it. And that's the story of the old Testament. Abraham believed God. It was credited him as righteousness. Uh, David believed God and he was a man after his own heart. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, the summation of the message of the prophets is the just shall live by faith. Um, that is, uh, that's the, that's the summation of it. You know, you want to know how to, um, uh, love justice and, uh, you know, embrace mercy and walk humbly with your God. Well, it's to live by faith. Mm-hmm. And so that's, uh, that's what this is all about. And that this has never been plan B. It's always been plan A, to believe that God will save you. And, you know, that's what Paul himself has experienced. It's it's amazing when you think about him writing these words in the first century to a Roman church, mm. which was comprised of people who had been formerly Jewish, as well as people who had been formerly pagan, um, who believed in Zeus and, and, and you know, thought all that stuff was real. And, and to say that there's the only wise God, and to say, and to, and to make that equivalent to Jesus Christ, who, again... Not that long since, I mean, Paul's writing not that long after Jesus Christ was this actual executed Roman criminal um, in Galilee, and to claim that that is the one who has saved us, this mystery that's been revealed. Again, we think it's so normal because we hear Mariah Carey talking about Jesus on the uh, in Target, <laughs> if you're allowed to go to Target. Um, but, you know, this message of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth being the Messiah and Savior of the world and being God, and we'll get to this, the Son of the Most High God in the Luke reading coming up next. I mean, this is a crazy, crazy claim in that ancient world, but it's one that mm. we need to hear afresh again. I think it, just that God came to us in this person named Jesus to redeem us, to save us. It's pretty unbelievable stuff. And That's we great. Need we need it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jake. All the affirmation. I'm feeling so good. Ah, so, and then finally we come to our gospel reading, moving right along. So, uh, and uh, we have uh, the uh, visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yeah, it kind of, it feels like a movie trailer, like, in a world long ago. In the Um, sixth month, the angel gave Yeah, and so we got got this angel, uh, and we get his name. He's just fresh off of visiting... um, John's parents, Elizabeth. John the Baptist's parents, yep, and good old Zechariah, uh, mm-hmm. who was doing his priestly ministry when the angel appeared to him and said, you're going to have a baby, even though you're super old. And so Gabriel's just giving out babies, first to John and, <laughs> and Elizabeth, and you now get you a get a baby. <laughs> yeah, it's like the baby Oprah. Or and Oprah Jake will get know. a puppy. So, but uh, anyway... <laughs> And so, yeah, he comes to Mary, and there's a, there's a lot packed in here. So first, it's like an actual place, Galilee. The angel goes to Galilee, and you should be thinking about how weird it is when you see movies with little green men come down in flying saucers, and they, they go to Topeka, Kansas, or they go to Poughkeepsie, New York, or wherever. And here they are showing up uh, in Galilee, and yep. uh, in this little town called Nazareth, which is like, again, this is not an important place in, in the world at the time. Well, you, like, hear that yeah. in, you hear that in John chapter 1. You remember they were like, we found the Messiah, and then like, Nazareth? Yeah. What good could possibly come out of Nazareth? You know, this is, that's what people thought of Nazareth. It's uh, not impressive at all. Yeah, and so that's why, you know, in, in alien movies, they always say, take me to your leader. But here they say, like, you know, they don't say that. They're like, we want to go to the most forgotten, out of the way, unimportant place. And then when they get there, 
they didn't even want to see like the important people not even like the synagogue ruler they're just like hey virgin woman who nobody cares about and doesn't even know exists we want to in talk to nazareth you. that's who we want to talk to <laughs> yeah yeah and so exactly. and, and and he he uh, greets her and he says you know favored one the lord is with you and uh, you know and this really this really shows something where god is working is he's working in those those behind scenes those topeka kansas moments in your life as well and uh, and i love whenever an angel engages somebody uh, he, they always, Gabriel saying, or, you know, don't be afraid. I mean, this is a terrifying, terrifying moment. And then he has the most peculiar proclamation to make to her. Uh, and this is the kind of the fulfilling of that Davidic covenant. Yeah, you will conceive in your womb. You will name the son Jesus. And we've already been told in verse 27 that She's engaged to this guy named Joseph, by the way, a scandal to then be engaged Ooh. and pregnant, unlike today where it's not, it's almost expected, but back then, big, <laughs> big problem, big problem. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and, we've had and, two and we kids that, and they're about to go to high school. Maybe we should just, you know, get hitched. Maybe we should make it official. Yeah. You know, I'm ready to commit, you know, become, <laughs> yeah. So plus the health insurance. Gets Settle down, my own old lady. Get a tax <laughs> right up. All right. Sorry we'll if we offended together. you. We're just kidding. We love you, listeners. <laughs> uh, life's complicated. We get it. Anyways, uh, but the thing you get here is House of David at the beginning, verse 27, um, which calls us back to 2 Samuel, the reading from the Old Testament, the beginning of uh, you know this, this podcast. Uh, the first reading for Advent 4 has God telling David, I will make your throne last forever. Uh, and Israel always thought it was going to be an actual descendant of David, and a, like as a political ruler. And here we learn that this is going to come true, but not in the way that we think. But we do have here this mention of the house of David, which, again, we should always be thinking about when we hear that. Second uh, Samuel seven sixteen, your throne shall be established forever. Uh, so this is how it take. This is how it happens. So this just, I think, underlines that point of how we think God will work is never how the way God actually wants to work. People thought your throne will be established forever. David meant one thing, but it turns out it means a virgin getting pregnant in a miraculous way, and and a peasant woman having a kid well, in one of the most important towns in the entire most unimportant towns in the Roman Empire. Yeah, and you see that, like, I mean, working out, I mean, she even she even says that. She's like, how can this be, since I'm a virgin? Right. Like, you know what I mean? I know how biology works, and uh, and uh, how, how can this be? And, um, and the point is, is that um, this, is, this, is, this isn't about biology. This isn't about what we see. Uh, this has always been, since the beginning, about what we hear. And God's speaking, and now this word that he has spoken and promised from the beginning, um, coming to almost like a, a second Eve, if you want, um, now coming uh, and taking on flesh. And so, yeah. you know, the Holy Spirit will, and it's very important, the Holy Spirit, this is how it's going to happen, is going to come upon you. This isn't biology. This is faith at work. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born is not going to be like any other kid. He's not going to be a viper in a diaper. He will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. These are very this messianic titles. And it is these titles that spring forward the next section of this uh, chapter where she sings her Magnificat. Yeah. And, you know, 
Again, calling oh, back to Second Sam. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. And really quick, like there's all of this Old Testament stuff going on here that you could flush out kind of. To, I mean, and now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. Now, why would this be important, this like statement? Not only is it that she's old and has conceived a son, but she is bearing every first Jewish reader here would have known that this is the Elijah that precedes the Messiah. And so this is all like connected in. This isn't just... These aren't just two ordinary kids that are going to grow up and be really special. This is prophecy being fulfilled. Yeah, and uh, and exactly that. I mean, and the thing that uh, the other little tie-in here to that Second Samuel passage earlier is that that was David wanting to build a fancy temple in which God could dwell, not just this little tabernacle, but like a real nice stone temple. Maybe the, God would be the pilot of that stone temple. <laughs> um, anyways, so... Uh, the, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, the, uh, the human beings think God needs to live in a really fancy house. And uh, because that's, you know, that's very human thinking. Like rewards go to the most important chief of the tribe or the yeah. you know the 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 head cheerleader gets the best spot at the pizza parlor after the football game or whatever it is that's kind of how we think and god says no that's human thinking i don't need a fancy temple david he says that in first samuel and then he goes on to prove it even more so by the incarnation when we read in luke 1 that that when god comes to the world he doesn't want to show up like a random you know, just like a deity, like glowing. He he actually wants to come in the humblest way possible. And so the the message here, I think, if God, I mean, I don't know. I don't, it's where I, like my words begin to fail about the humility of God. There's so many places where everybody in your congregation feels like they're not good enough. They're not doing church well enough. You preacher probably feel like you're not preaching well enough. You're running on fumes. You wish you could have more services. You wish services could be better than they are. Um, You know, preachers are struggling. Your congregation is struggling. Everybody feels like they're not, you know, everybody's gaining weight or getting depressed or worried about the future. All this sort of stuff is going on. And, and the message of the incarnation is that God can work in the humblest human circumstances because that's what he does here. He doesn't need a big fancy temple. He doesn't need your life to be perfect to come and live with you. He actually wants to come live in like your closet that you've never cleaned out that sort of has that musty smell and you just try not to open the door. Like that part of your life is where God wants to be. And that's what that's, that's very powerful. And, and oftentimes, and this is, this is, I think the preachable moment, uh, is one of the preachable moments in all of this is that, you know, we actually think that it's impossible for God to meet us in a uh, musty tent because we do actually believe with all of our hearts that he should dwell and be the pilot of a stone temple. And, uh, yeah. and uh, but that is like actually the, the, the meat right here when he begins to say, the angel Gabriel says to her, he will be great and will be called son of the most high God. Uh, he's going to take the throne of his ancestor, David. All of these like Old Testament images that are so massive and so lofty. are. And she's like, how can this be? You know what I mean? And he's like, listen, this is all going to meet you and meet you right where you're at. And uh, for nothing will be impossible with God. And the fact is, is that if God will meet a virgin in Nazareth, uh, in the middle of bum-ass nowhere, uh, 
That's not impossible. Uh, him meeting you overweight, stinky, completely depressed, life falling apart. Uh, nothing is impossible for him. And he has met you as well right there. And uh, he's called you uh, um, his son. He's called you his daughter. And he loves you very much. And the only response to that is, here I am, the servant mm. of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Yep, that's right. Well, I think that'll do us for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Before you tune out, dear listener, we ask you to consider a year-end gift to help Mockingbird Ministries. We rely on the donations, gifts, and uh, just generosity of our listeners. So this is really easy. You're listening to this right now on a device that is connected to the internet. All you have to do is take that iPhone or Android device and text MCAST to 77948. That's 77948. And MCAST, they didn't give us our own same old song handle there, Jake. I'm very, I'm hurt. I don't know. Are you, are you doing okay? That's because they're strapped. So anyway, <laughs> that's right. We need have, next year we can get our own texting handle. So but it's MCAST all the more is, important that you give. That's right. So, so that we Aaron get our and own I would like handle. our own handle, you know. But, that's uh, right. So but this year we're borrowing the Mockingcast handle. So MCAST is what you need to text to seven seven nine four eight. And when you do that, a uh, hundred thousand dollars will immediately be withdrawn from your account. So just be aware. <laughs> no, what happens is you get a text back that has a link. You click that link, tap that link, and it will take you to PayPal, where you can very easily uh, send a gift to Mockingbird. That's a huge help. And it even gives you an option to become a monthly supporter. And if you do that, uh, I can guarantee you get to heaven directly. Uh, can I That's just say, I think that there's a, a lot of, you know, this is the time when you're getting a lot of pitches for year-end gifts and all of this. And I think there's a lot of things that you can give too, but... Uh, uh, Mockingbird is uh, one of the few organizations that is delivering uh, the gospel uh, with no strings attached. And uh, let me tell you, it is that message that uh, God loves you and is for you and has forgiven you um, uh, that's needed right now. It is the light in the darkness. And so um, uh, please uh, give so that that chirp may continue. That's right. So again, text MCAST. To the number 77948. And uh, we are so grateful to the, all of you who are monthly supporters of Mockingbird or who give um, when you can. It all matters and we are grateful. So we wish you all a blessed Advent. And as we head to Christmas, I'm going to allow you to say Merry Christmas. And uh, may God be with you in the pulpit as you preach or when you sit in the pews or listen to a live stream. May God put the gospel into your ears and into your heart and um, that you would know that you're loved. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Bye-bye. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.